Don't rely on what got you there. Look at what's going to help you be successful as you move forward. Making sure you're investing in yourself is important. Things have changed a lot around how you learn and ways you can learn. There are so many great resources out there. Tapping into and understanding from your peers, what are they like? What do they find that works really well? Because there's so much that you can get inundated with it. The key is making sure you're making enough time for it. We get wrapped up so often in our day-to-day lives between work, family, personal lives, and things we want to accomplish that we just need to make sure that we're carving out times for ourselves. Great companies are all about the people. Good people become great leaders, mentors for work and life. Welcome to Learnings from Leaders, the P&G alumni podcast. I'm Roman Segel, recovering marketer. And I'm Ida Abdalkani, a chief catalyzer. Roman and I both got our start at P&G, the Procter & Gamble company, where we had the opportunity to work with some amazing people. And as you may know, many leaders across industries got their start at P&G. In this series, through conversations with fellow P&G alums, we hope to go deeper with the leaders you already know, but want to know more about. It's kind of like bringing a microphone to a cup of coffee. On today's show, we're talking to P&G alumni leader, Jamal Maasher, president of Valvoline International. It was a great conversation about the importance of investing in yourself. But first, I want to tell you about the 2021 P&G Alumni Global Conference, this November 12th and 13th, live from P&G's global headquarters in Cincinnati and broadcast around the world in real time. To celebrate its 20th anniversary, the PNG Alumni Network will once again bring together some of the world's leading thinkers and doers for insightful conversations among thousands of PNG alumni and global PNG leaders. We're inviting you, our Learnings from Leaders loyal listener, to be a part of this amazing PNG Alumni Global event. Come here from some of the most dynamic thinkers and successful business leaders in the world. Visit conference.pgalums.com to learn more and use the special code PODCAST to receive $150 off your registration. You'll hear from P&G CEO David Taylor and CMO Mark Pritchard, as well as alumni such as A.G. Laffley, Paul Pullman, Ben O'Doro, Brian McNamara. Also joining the stage will be Katie Couric, Ariana Huffington, YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki, and many more to be announced. Personally, I've been to the last two conferences, and it's been so fun to reconnect with old friends and to make new ones. The speakers are some of the best in the world, and I always walk away with new insights and friends, and I'm already registered for the conference this November. So what are you waiting for? Visit conference.pgalums.com to learn more and use the special code PODCAST to receive $150 off your registration. We hope to see you at the PNG Alumni Network's next global conference this November 12th and 13th. But back to our conversation with Jamal Maasher. It was a great conversation about the importance of investing in yourself, not taking your foot off the gas pedal, being clear on what you need and want, and taking the sometimes missed next step of communicating those items. Here's a quick bio. Jamal serves as Senior Vice President, Global Products and President of Valvoline International. In his role, he is responsible for the Global Products Business Unit performance with a focus on the long-term growth of international markets, the development and management of Valvoline's OEM relationships, and the expansion of the retail business model into international markets. Prior to joining Valvoline, Jamal held brand leadership positions at Procter & Gamble, across a variety of brands in beauty care, healthcare, and home care, as well as P&G Entertainment. 
Jamal is an active member of the not-for-profit community, serving on a variety of boards and having co-founded and served as president of Give Back Cincinnati. In 2020, he was selected as Man of the Year for the Lexington Chapter of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. He also serves on the board for the Talent Magnet Institute and recently joined the University of Cincinnati Venture Lab as an entrepreneur-in-residence coach. A native of Cincinnati, Ohio, Jamal holds a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering from the University of Cincinnati and a master's degree in business administration from Auburn University. He resides in Union, Kentucky with his wife and daughter. What I love about our conversation is Jamal's focus on challenging ourselves and ways of thinking while also laughing along the way and remembering to enjoy each moment. I think many of us can relate to his important reminder that we only have one life to live. So what are we waiting for? Growing up as an immigrant, watching his father's dedication and passion for music, and later witnessing his dad's deteriorating health helped shape Jamal's perspective to push beyond what was given to him. In listening to Jamal's journey, you will learn how he has pushed himself to be more for himself and the generation that follows. He reminds us to both challenge ourselves to stretch beyond what we think may be possible, while also remembering to take care of ourselves. So let's dive in. We hope you will enjoy our conversation with Jamal Maasher. Jamal, welcome to the podcast. You're a friend and a colleague, and I'm so delighted to have you on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. Well, many of you already know Jamal's professional story, but here's a quick recap. Jamal is the president of Valvoline International, where he leads over 1,500 employees in approximately 150 countries. Prior to Valvoline, he was a global marketing and operations leader for entertainment at P&G, and also served as a senior brand manager on Olay Skincare. Prior to Procter & Gamble, he was a chemical engineer at Southwestern Ohio Steel. Jamal spends a significant amount of time giving back to the community, from co-founding Give Back Cincinnati and helping lead it for eight years, to being named the Man of the Year for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Jamal uses his leadership skills to affect positive change beyond just his business and work roles. He also serves as a board member and advisor to several boards, including the Talent Magnet Institute, Tech Force Foundation, Camp Joy, and Mad Cap Puppets. He obtained his Bachelor of Science degree in chemical engineering from the University of Cincinnati and then went on to study business, obtaining his MBA from Auburn University. Jamal, there is so much that I want to dig in here on and ask you about. But first, can you tell us a little bit about who you were before the beginning of your career? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity again to take a step back on what shaped who I am and where the path I took in my career, really just looking back on my life as a child and growing up in Cincinnati. Parents are immigrants to, to the U.S. My father came in the 1950s. My mom came in the late 1960s. My father came over as a very accomplished musician. He left a family of 10. He was the oldest of 10 children, got on a boat in Piraeus, Greece, and came to the U.S. And he had a great opportunity to play his music. So that actually shaped a lot of who I was, just growing up in that household and learning a lot of the family history and the culture that my parents came from, learning the language, learning to speak Arabic at a young age. But also just that, that idea of being a musician and the discipline that it took. The great story is when I was really young, I always wanted to follow my father's footsteps and seeing what a great musician that he was. And it was, it was amazing his ability to 
listen to music. He could hear a song once, not read a single note, never read a note in his life, but could hear a song once and could replay it instantly. And I always wanted to follow in his footsteps. And he had different instruments that we could play. And there was one day where I asked him, I wanted to learn to play the drums. And I was about seven years old. And finally, he relented and said, okay, I'm happy to teach you how to play. And so after all my asking, he asked me to go get the drums. And and just the time that he spent with me, teaching me, investing in me to be really good at music and invested in me as just of taking this next step and being a part of his world and, and his music it meant a lot. And so that really built a really strong relationship between my love for music, but also just the really the tightness in my relationship with my father growing up. It was it was found fantastic. And it really opened up a lot for me and how I think about investing in other people and what that actually can mean for them and what they want to achieve. So that moment in my life meant a lot and then really helped shape a lot of the relationships that I had moving forward. That's amazing. I mean, I I share with you the immigrant background of having parents who immigrated to the States and seeing how much they had to deal with not having their family around and really having to strike out on their own, so to speak, without a support network, the ethic and the dedication that it took to be able to raise a family in another country and without that support. And I love that your dad was able to pursue his passion of music and then pass that on to you. Since music was such an important part of his life, and it sounds like a part of your life as well, did you think about pursuing music as part of your career? I did. There was a moment in time where I learned a a few different instruments because I had a lot of his genes. A lot of it came fairly naturally, not as naturally as it came to him, but (laughs) I definitely had an interest in it. But it was also one of those things where I think we all had that. Your parents want more for you. And, And so my father said, you're really good at math. You're really good at science. Go be a doctor. And I said, okay, well, maybe not a doctor, but he pushed me to try and take on even bigger challenges. Not let go of the music, still enjoy playing. I would spend time with friends and family and we would play music and we would enjoy it. But really for your career and your life, he wanted more. And being a musician wasn't easy and he knew that. I mean, he worked very late hours for many years. And so it was very challenging. It took a lot of toll on him. And so he, while he knew that I had the passion for it, he really pushed me to do more. And I think that's what led me down the path of getting a degree in engineering. I think that is part of the beauty of life, each generation being better than the next and pushing ourselves to new challenges, new boundaries. How did you end up then getting into the business world? I know that you started your career with chemical engineering, and that's what your undergrad degree is in. What was the pivot for you to decide to pursue business? Yeah, it's funny because I look back on different points in my career Probably started when I was really young. My father, not only being a musician, but he had started and opened a restaurant. I started to learn how to do the taxes and then a lot of the business aspects at a very young age. I think I was maybe nine or 10 years old helping him with payroll and taxes. I started working there when I was 11 or 12. But I got my degree and was working and was actually working for the Army Corps of Engineers as a co-op. And I'll never forget one of my managers at the time had made the comment to me, he said, you're never going to engineer a chemical. And I said, what do you mean? I was kind of offended by it. And he said, you have such a business sense. I could see you really pursuing that. Even though you're going to get your degree, I could see you wanting to pursue that as you move forward. You have an entrepreneurial spirit about you in the things that you're even doing here. 
I continued forward in my career, but when my first job out of college, I was doing some consulting and some engineering work. And my boss at the time actually recognized the same thing and said, we can give you more. You can leverage your, your analytics and your engineering background, but we think you can have an even broader impact in the organization. And so I was quickly moved to more of the business aspect. And so that's really how it took off. And then some great leaders and mentors really paved the way and gave me some opportunities when I was Fantastic. And I know since you and I are friends from our days at P&G, I know a little bit about the family restaurants. Did you ever think about pursuing something like that as well? It's funny because I looked at it at one point and said, I could do more and maybe there's more things that we could do in this space. But I don't know, something just kept pulling me back to as a math and science nerd. And I really loved math. And so that you know, while I had those different avenues, I really just kept pulling me back to wanting to do something in that space. And I looked at a few different engineering paths and, and landed on chemical engineering. And so it was always in that thing in the back of your mind of doing different things. But no, I, I think engineering was too strong of a call. Yeah, it definitely has the math and science foundation that you are clearly very good at. Well, as you think back, Jamal, at your career on having that perspective of hindsight, do you have one or two defining early career moments that you feel really changed your trajectory or even how you approach things as a leader? Yes, there's a couple of points. I think one I mentioned earlier around mentors who believe in you. I joined P&G and actually when I joined P&G, it's interesting. I kind of took an interesting path when I first joined the company. I was actually in IT and was kind of doing upstream technologies, thinking about how we deploy technology to all of the PCs around the globe. You think about the virus definitions and how you deploy those, you know, how you deploy new applications across the company in a rapid fashion. And so that was a little bit of what I was do- doing early on. I moved into the fabric and home care division working as a business analyst. And I love the work. It really spoke to the analytics, the math, the insights that came with it. But I always felt like there was something more that I wanted to do. And at the time, a great mentor, I still talk to to this day, and really gave me the opportunity, saw something in me, was Brad Lang. And Brad actually reached out to me when I was doing the analysis work. And I'd worked on a few different projects around helping define what the future of home care could look like. And he'd asked me, would you have an interest in taking that next step and coming over into marketing? And just that talking me through it and giving me the opportunity and supporting me was tremendous. And I think it really helped set a path for me and give me a lot more clarity around business. I always had worked in small business and I came from steel industry, but having someone who can give you a better perspective around what being in brand management and business really meant, and then giving you not not only that, but also then giving you the support and the opportunity, it just meant the world to me. And I look back on it now, that hindsight and that, that point in my career of paying it forward and giving someone else an opportunity. So thinking back to what what Brad did for me and thinking about not only diverse backgrounds, but also just giving other people opportunities who aren't traditional. I, I, I didn't have my MBA at the time and giving people some different opportunities because you can see something in their skill sets. It meant a lot to me and it obviously has paid out very well as far as my, my future growth and my career. But also then I've taken that same lesson and tried to apply it to others as well. So I would say that was probably one of the, the biggest moments in my career. And, and really, I look back on and smile and, and I thank Brad to this day. 
Brad. I can vouch for Brad as well. He is phenomenal. As you were talking about this story, Jamal, I was reminded of how difficult it is to make the change in function. So our listeners, alums at PNG are, are well aware of this, but we also have listeners that are outside of the PNG alumni community may not realize that it is extremely difficult at Procter and Gamble to switch functions. And so, do you have any advice from that transition that you made? Did anything not quite work out the way you had intended it to or thought it would? Or is there any advice from that fork in the road where you changed paths and started to pursue marketing? Yeah, I think a few big things that really were important to enable my success when I made that transition was one, I entered a really good, you know, good situation, right? It's one thing to say you want to make the change and there's lots of opportunities potentially that could come your way, but making sure you're putting yourself in a really good situation where you're surrounded by people who can be mentors, coaches, and help you succeed because you are learning a lot of things that, you know, you may have a good solid foundation, but you're learning a lot of new things as it relates to a functional change. In my case, coming from IT and analytics to going into marketing. So really understanding, you know, what it took, the processes that go along with it, consumer insights and consumer research, just understanding that aspect, having really good coaches and mentors is important. So making sure whether it's at P&G or other companies, you make sure you surround yourself with really talented people who are going to invest in you. That's a critical part of having success. I think the other one is also investing in yourself. I went and got my MBA and luckily the company invested in me, but I went and got my MBA at the same time that I was working because there's a lot of the pieces that I needed to fill in for myself. So don't rely on what got you there, but look at what's going to help you be successful as you move forward. And so knowing, hearing from the the people that I was surrounded by, but also knowing that there were pieces that I just needed to go learn. Having an engineering degree is great and it provided me a lot of great insight, but I knew from a financial and business aspect and just marketing 101, I needed to go through and fill in those those holes for myself. And and so making sure you're investing in yourself is, is just as important. So those are probably the two biggest aspects, I would say, that helped me get, get off the ground in a really solid fashion and hit the ground running when I when I made that switch. I think that's such an important message that what got us here won't get us there. Continuing that investment in ourselves. Well, given how difficult the past year has been, do you have any tips for investing in yourself in today's environment? Yeah, it's interesting because this past year, things have changed a lot around how you learn and ways that you can learn. There are fairly inexpensive and in many cases, free resources that you can tap into. I think the first big thing is making sure you're clear on where are you pointing towards? What are you really trying to learn? What are you trying to get better at? I think that clarity is, is probably the hardest part of the entire journey. But once you figure that out, there's some great resources. This past week, sat in on a session with uh, AMA around just evaluating creative and it was great because I was able to share that with you know, folks on my team. You know, it was a small investment. When I say small, you're know, talking just a few dollars to be able to sit in on a great session for an hour and a half and hear other creatives and other brand leaders talk about how to look at advertising at different copy and why some copy does really well and others don't and understand a lot of those insights. There's great resources like that. There's so much out there and everything has really just moved into this digital space. It got really accelerated over the last year with with the pandemic. 
that there are so many great resources out there. Tapping into and understanding from your peers, what are they like? What do they find that works really well? What are really good resources? Because there's so much that you can get inundated with it, but finding the ones that people are really going back to and saying, here's what I think works well for me. LinkedIn Learning is a great example of one where there's just a lot of content, but if you can help have someone who can help shape what type of content is out there, it can also help you really focus on on investing your time in the things that matter most. So there's just a lot out there. The key is making sure you're making enough time for it. I think we get wrapped up so often in everything that's going on in our day-to-day lives between work, family, personal lives, and things that we want to we want to accomplish that we just need to make sure that we're carving out times for ourselves. Right now, I'm I'm trying to teach myself how to write Arabic. I can speak it fluently, but over the years, I've never learned to write it. And so I try and take 30 minutes to an hour every night to practice the alphabet. I bought a simple book online and tried to go through the exercises that are in the book. And But I, I try and make sure that I dedicate the time to that when I can. You've just inspired me. Similar to you, I can speak another language. I speak Farsi, but I can't read or write, or I used to be able to, right? But I haven't used it in so long. I'm going to start committing myself to doing it at least a few times a week and make sure I stay committed to your advice, which is continuing to work on ourselves and investing in ourselves. Jamal, I think one thing that is really important to our audiences, the increased importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you just brought up Arabic and speaking another language. You and I are both Middle Eastern. And so we come at things, I think, from that perspective of minority professionals. What do you do or how have you approached this as the president of Valvoline in your workplace? How are you working on diversity, equity, and inclusion? And do you have any advice for our leaders? Yes. No, you know, I think it's absolutely a very critical thing. And I think you, you highlighted there, which is coming from a diverse background. And also, I think I have the benefit of also working internationally with so many different cultures. It gives you a very strong appreciation for the different ways that people think about things, approach things and their styles. Right. And, and so it's important that you take those all into consideration, because in many cases, the diversity that we seek in our business is a reflection of the communities we serve and the customers we're trying to interact with. And so it's important to have that diversity within our business. I think that the advice I would give anyone and the way that I look at it and our teams is really, it's really about having diversity of thought and making sure that you have different points of view in approaching business, approaching challenges, opportunities, because that diversity of thought can really stretch what you think is possible. I think that's where diversity, equity, inclusion are so important. I think both of that community aspect as well as just it really enables you to be incredibly successful because you have so many different viewpoints. And diversity can come in a lot of different ways. In many cases, I talked about bringing an IT background into marketing and an engineering background. When I look at even the people that we try and recruit onto the team, not everyone has to have that same experience or background or a major CPG. We try and find the best talent with the right attitude. The aptitude can be tough because there's a lot of really smart people, but it's having the right attitude to, to the job and what you're trying to accomplish. But that diversity of thought really comes through in that fashion. And that what I've seen in my career has been what has really helped drive a lot of success for different businesses that I've been a part of. I can attest to that as well. I really think the importance of 
the diversity of thought, right? Even if some people can maybe on the outside seem like they have similar backgrounds, their experiences that have shaped them can lead to such a different perspective, making sure that you have all those different perspectives in the room, to your point, to really stretch what we think is possible is so critical, especially today. And I think especially for our leaders who are listening and leading organizations to continue to put that at the forefront. And now a word from our sponsor, the 2021 PNG Alumni Global Conference. This November 12th and 13th, live from PNG's global headquarters in Cincinnati and broadcast around the world in real time. To celebrate its 20th anniversary, the PNG Alumni Network will once again bring together some of the world's leading business thinkers and doers for insightful conversation among thousands of PNG alumni and global PNG leaders. We're inviting you, our Learnings from Leader loyal listener, to be part of this amazing PNG Alumni Global event. Come hear from some of the most dynamic thinkers and successful business leaders in the world. Visit conference.pgalums.com to learn more. Use the special code PODCAST to receive $150 off your registration. You'll hear from PNG CEO David Taylor, PNG CMO Mark Pritchard, as well as big alumni names like AG Lapley, Paul Pullman, and Ben Odor. Also joining the stage will be Katie Couric, Ariana Huffington, and YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki, as well as PNG alumni leaders like GSK President Brian McNamara, Women's MLS Commissioner Lisa Baird, and many more to be announced. Look, I'm not sure if you've ever been to a PNG Alumni Global Conference, but it is truly one of the best conferences I've ever been to. Not only is it a chance to reconnect with many old friends and hear some amazing learnings from leaders in a non-podcast format, but it's also a chance to network and connect with a lot of new alumni that you might not already know. The Global Conference is actually how I personally got introduced to the PNG Alumni Network. So in a way, this podcast wouldn't even exist without the Global Conferences. I cannot recommend enough that you make plans for November 12th and 13th to attend the PNG Alumni Global Conference. So what are you waiting for? Visit conference.pgalums.com to learn more and use the special code podcast to receive $150 off your registration. We hope to see you at the PNG Alumni Network's next Global Conference this November 12th and 13th. And now back to our show. One of the things that I think is really interesting about your career is the amazing trajectory that you've had switching from chemical engineering to IT into marketing, now leading an international organization. Was there ever a moment when you took your foot off the gas pedal? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I look back on my career, there's probably a few points in my career where I got hung up and I looked at myself and said, Am I going down the right path? And I got challenged because maybe you weren't clicking on all cylinders or I wasn't thought of, hey, you're not the next person on the list. And so I think that made me reflect back on those points. And I look back now and I reflect back on those points and say, I could have gone a very different path. I could have taken the easier route and said, well, maybe I just need to go do something different. And I took my foot off the gas. And I think I look on it now and say, I think the approach that I try to take, and I still to this day, which is not taking your foot off the gas, but going back to that point of investing in yourself and trying to learn and get better. So you may not be considered the top of your game. Well, why? And what can you learn from others that are? The world that you live in and the, the, the world that you operate in every day are great learning opportunities. The people that you surround yourself with are great learning opportunities to say, what makes this person successful or what What can I learn from that person that fundamentally I don't want to repeat? And you can learn both ways. And I think I look back on those points in my career and I look at it now and I say, yeah, I took my foot. I could have taken my foot off the gas. But instead, what I tried to do is really try to be better. So for that reason, I I think I've always been a driven individual in a lot of different aspects of my life. My wife would probably laugh about that because she'll say to me often, you ever sit down? 
<laughs> but for me, it's one of those things where it's hard to do that because I always feel like there's, I can always improve and I can always get better. And so with that aspect, it's, I think that I'm only scratching the surface of what's possible. Do you think that part of that is, and I, I'm asking this just because of my own background being an immigrant as well. Do you think part of that is from the way that you grew up or how much of that is innate? The environment versus how we're innately driven. I think a big part of it is, I mean, there's a big part of it is how you grew up. And so I look back and the push from my father, whether it was in music or whether it was in school, always wanting to do better, right? Don't be complacent, right? And you have really one life to live. And how do you make the most of it? And that can come through in so many different ways. It can come through whether it's you're really involved and passionate about business or helping others. It can come through in so many different ways in health, fitness, whatever it may be, but really making sure that you're, you're all in and you're trying to get the most out of it. And so I think I grew up in a, in a household very much like that. You know, my father, you know, like I said, coming over on a boat and trying to find something better for himself and for his family, that just drove kind of the culture that I grew up in. And, and I think I took that and, and said, okay, and I experienced some challenges early on in, in my life. You know, my, I, my father passed away in my early 20s and watching his health deteriorate. It really gave me a different perspective to say he was absolutely right that you do have one life and how do you make the most out of it? And so pushing yourself and challenging yourself to get better and, and really seek new opportunities for growth as an individual and, and new memories that you can make along the way. So it's, I think that's a big part of the culture and just like you said, being a son of an immigrant who challenged me along the way. And Jamal, I know you have a daughter. How does that now play forward, do you think, as you're raising a family? Yes, I think I think that's hopefully one example and one path that I can set for her, which is that idea that life, I have this saying, which is life is a beautiful journey. And it's all about the experiences you share and the memories you make along the way. And so for her, I want her to always feel that, which is life has so many ups and downs, so many wonderful things that can happen, but really it's upon you to dictate and determine what you want that to be, which is you can experience a lot of different things. I've been blessed and had the opportunity to visit 80 plus countries. Why? Because I love to travel. I want to go see different cultures and I want to see different parts of the world. You get to try different things. I've had people give me opportunities to move from engineering to IT to marketing but I also worked hard at it. So for me, my, my lesson or my hope for the big takeaway that she can have is she can look at that and say, yes, I'm going to blaze my own path and I will really push and challenge because I want to really get the most out of my life and then have an impact on others as I'm doing that and, and really enjoy it along the way because there's so much that you can accomplish in this world and experience and it's really up to you. I love that. What do you think your daughter would say she's learned from you? If I were to talk to her today, what do you think she might say? She's a bit of a character. So she's four <laughs> years old. So I think she'd probably tell you the two things is one being silly. <laughs> so as much as we can all be serious in our day-to-day -day lives and be on all of our phone calls and meetings, you have to laugh. And one thing we love to share is we laugh. We laugh a lot. Whether it's being silly and dancing around or playing some fun games, we do share a lot of laughter. So hopefully that's the one thing she can take away. And the second one is just about family. I think one thing she's, she's hopefully learned already is how important family is and, and how much the love of family and the care for family is so important. I mean, going back to being the son of an immigrant, and that's what you're surrounded by is 
that your family and your siblings and your cousins, that's where we spent most of our time and how important family was. Hopefully that's been passed on to her. And I think she would say that today, just in how she interacts with her own family and her own cousins. So hopefully she keeps that as she moves forward in her life. I love your focus on laughter. I'm a big supporter of laughing more. So important as we get more responsibilities in our life, as we get older, to remember to keep that childlike play. I think it's amazing that you're instilling that in her. If you look back, let's say you could have a time machine, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, wow. If I had an opportunity to go back, I think... One of the things I would probably do and say to myself is take care of yourself, take care of yourself better at a younger age. I think no matter how hard we all work, right, your health and well-being, that's probably the number one thing that matters most. I say that to people on my team all, all day long, which is take care of yourself because at the end of the day, you can't contribute your best to both your family, to your job, if you're not taking care of yourself and putting yourself in your health first. And so I think when I was younger, my weight was pretty high. And that's probably one thing people don't know about me was when I was younger, I was about 100 pounds more than I am now. I was unhealthy and I played sports and all that growing up, but I was unhealthy. I didn't take care of myself the way that I should have. And if there was one thing that I could do, which I think you pay for as you move forward in your life, but you're always trying to fight that battle to, to stay healthy and get healthy. But that's probably one of the biggest things that you know I would tell myself really early on is, Put yourself and put your health first. That's probably one of the most important things that will enable you to be successful in any part of your life is, is making sure you take care of yourself first and foremost. Absolutely. And especially important now, given the pandemic, both mental and physical health and emotional as well. I know you're also very involved in nonprofits, one in particular being the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. What is a major lesson that you've learned through these different roles and your role in giving back to the community? The biggest thing about giving back to the community is, is one, just being passionate about the cause that you're involved in, whether it was Give Back Cincinnati many years ago and just giving back to the community and having an opportunity to help lead and shape what that looks like and getting others involved to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, having passion for the organizations that you're involved in. I look back, my father as I said, you know, came over on a boat, established his life here. And back then, you didn't have to go through the immigration policies and procedures were a lot looser than they are today. And so he had a cousin that actually was able to bring him to the States. And over time, my father paid that forward to others and gave them opportunity. He went through, the, filled out the paperwork for other family members to give them the opportunity to have a life in the U.S. and have an opportunity at, at success for themselves and for their families. And so looking at that, you look at any cause that you can get involved in, and that's the core of it, right? Which is you're giving someone an opportunity, whether it's through medical research for blood cancers or giving people an opportunity through the arts or giving a people, you know, people an opportunity to have great homes to live in for them and their families. Any one of those causes, it really comes back to that idea of just giving people opportunity. And so that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned is one, having passion, but two, making sure that you're investing and giving other people the opportunities that in many cases that you've been given along your way. And so it's important that we all do our part. And you can find in any organization that you can be passionate about and interested in, but it's making sure that you're dedicating the time to it. And I've loved it. I've learned so much from people that do it day to day. I give them a lot of credit 
because they go through a lot of battles, right? And so giving my support in any way that I can is important, but the work that they do every day is tremendous and the progress that they make to make our entire world a better place. Yeah, I love the focus on passion and being able to really pick something that naturally you're going to feel an affinity to. What I love about your background is how it seems like you've gotten involved with a lot of community organizations and activities that feed your varied passions. So you've got the math and science end, you've got the arts end, right? So a little bit of this yin and yang, left brain, right brain. With all these different things that you're working on today, what is exciting you the most? I think I just wrapped up another year of the campaign for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And for me, that became a passion project a couple of years ago. I had a very good friend who passed away from, he had lymphoma and then had gone through remission and then unfortunately developed leukemia and passed away on April two years ago. He was actually a former PNGer himself. And so being able to give back to that organization and just meeting so many amazing families that are going through the battle themselves. I met a family in Kentucky recently, about a year ago, who they had one child with blood cancer who has gone through treatment and remission. And soon after the one was getting out of the hospital, another was diagnosed. And if that doesn't inspire you to want to work hard to make an impact, I don't know what does. And so my next, my next project is now that I've graduated from the campaigns with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society over the last two years, what's next? And so I'm, I'm now working with their team on what some of these corporate organizations and committees can look like. And so they've asked me recently to be a part of a leadership team to look at how we get more corporations involved in their mission. And so that's one thing that I'm very excited about because I can see the direct impact that the dollars that are raised can have on families. And, and what research and what those research dollars can have and, and the impact it can have on allowing people to get better as they, as they go through these battles with blood cancer. So that's one thing that I'm incredibly passionate about. And then on the, on the work side, you know, one thing that I will say is really interesting is just the transition that's happening right now in the automotive space with uh, future mobility. And so being able to really work on what that looks like and work with different partners in the electric vehicle space. It's really intriguing because it's such a dynamic and, and interesting part of how our world is going to change over the next 20 to 30 years and being able to have a, a really good insight into what that looks like and working with some of those partners. That's a very exciting aspect for me as well. First, I have to take a moment and just say thank you for the work that you're doing with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and to all, all the individuals that you work with there. I think most families in some way, shape or form are touched by cancer at some point in their lives. I just want to take a moment to tell you thank you for that. Thank you. One in three families will be touched in some way, shape or form directly with cancer. So it's a high number. And I think it's something that hopefully in our lifetimes, we find a cure. Absolutely. And we need people like you leading that charge to be able to get there, to raise the dollars, to raise the awareness, and hopefully find a cure. Related to that about the future One of the things that's really important to us on this podcast is setting up the next generation of leaders for success. If you had a piece of advice for the next generation of leaders, or maybe even a challenge, what would you tell them? I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that I tell, whether it's a mentee or anyone that be kind of at this point in their career and looking at what's next, the biggest piece of advice I would tell them is make sure you're clear as possible on what your aspirations and goals are. I think oftentimes we hit different points in our career and I was there where you 
you believe that I'm working really hard, I'm delivering strong results, and everything else will take care of itself. And I was given advice, and I think many of us have probably gotten advice at different points in our career, which is there's only one person that's responsible for your career and your compensation, et cetera, and that's you. You dictate a lot of where you head. I get it. Success and career growth, you have to have a combination of proven results, demonstrated desire, and opportunity. I mean, they all have to come together well, right? But if you deliver your objectives in front of you with excellence and not confuse that with simply being in the role for an extended period of time and meeting expectations, but truly delivering excellence and going above and beyond. If you do that, and then you also demonstrate that your willingness to do more, take on more new new challenges, be proactive in finding things. I think if you do those two things and you're bold and you're very clear on what you want and what your aspirations are in your career, the higher likelihood you have of success of being able to achieve that. I know it sounds pretty simple, but it can be a very powerful piece of clarity for anyone. I think I said earlier, finding clarity is the hardest part. Letting others know what it is, is should be the easy part. And I think oftentimes we assume that other people are just naturally taking care of it. But my advice to anyone, and I, I've told mentees this quite a bit over the years, which is you figure out what you're really looking for, where you're trying to get to, and to just make sure people know it. And by the way, if you tell people where you're trying to get to, they'll give you advice of the paths and the things you need to work on to get there. And they'll also have you in mind when those opportunities to do come open because they know that's what you're trying to achieve. And so don't assume, just really make sure that you're, you're clear on what that is. Again, the hardest part is figuring out what that clarity is. I think we've all faced those challenges in our careers, but communicate, be bold, and then put yourself out there and, and communicate it. And you'll be amazed at the results that come along with it. I couldn't agree more. I know, as you said, it can seem maybe simple, but so much harder to do in practice and, and in reality is getting to that clarity. I love how you highlighted that you have to go beyond that. Once you have that clarity, you have to be willing and able to communicate that and execute it to really be able to achieve that goal. Well, Jamal, I'd love to end our episodes with a few fun questions, just rapid fire, first thing that comes to mind, just helps our listeners learn something that they might not otherwise know about you. So since you have such a focus on learning, as we've talked about, always evolving, if you had infinite resources to go do or learn any one thing, what would it be? Well, I'd probably go back to music. (laughs) There's an instrument that my father played. I learned very little bit about it. And it's an Arabic guitar, basically 12-string guitar called an oud. And beautiful. It's a beautiful instrument. I learned to play it very briefly. And if I had the time, when when you think about infinite resources, it's really more the time and the the right teachers. If I had the opportunity, I would go back and learn that because just hearing the music played takes me back to my childhood to the wonderful memories I had with my father. And so that's one thing that I would love to go back and learn all over again. And I know that you also are an avid traveler. Where's one new place you would want to go? I've had the opportunity to go to a lot of different places. I have never been to South America, as amazing as it sounds. So I've been a lot of different places, but I've never been to South America. So I would love to see Brazil, Argentina. I'd love to visit parts of South, South America for sure. And then For me, just being able to go to Antarctica, I've had some friends that have gone on cruises and and seen that and experienced it. So those are the extremes of uh, (laughs) some of the travel that I'd love to see. But 
Very different weather. <laughs> Very different weather. But at the same time, right now, one thing I, I'm just yearning for is the opportunity to get back to travel, being able to meet with teams. But even for me, I used to go once a year, once every two years to go visit family in Jordan, which is where my family's from. And so if there's something that I have to put high on the list, it's just being able to go and spend some time with family again in Jordan because those times are precious. And I have some family members that are getting older. And I just love to have the opportunity to go sit down and tell stories and, and talk about life with them all over again. I absolutely would love to go to Jordan myself. We, we can we can uh, we can travel there together. I yeah, can there share go. the hot spots. I'll have yeah, I'll have a local that can show me around. Since we both kind of grew up together at P and G in Cincinnati, what is your favorite thing to do in Cincinnati? Favorite thing in Cincinnati? It's funny because I'm a big sports. I love live sporting events. And having graduated from the University of Cincinnati, the one thing I'm looking forward to this fall is just live sports and Cincinnati football and basketball and things of that nature. The energy of the crowd, there's nothing like it. And so being able to get back to that, that's one thing that I absolutely love. The other one is just all the restaurants, getting back to just everything that's opened back up recently with the pandemic, it's been hard. But all the wonderful restaurants here in Cincinnati. We love to cook here at home, a lot of different foods, but there's something about going out and trying a wonderful new restaurant and Cincinnati has plenty to offer there. So that's one thing I would definitely recommend for anyone that's in the Cincinnati area, try something new. And that area is so much nicer from when we live there, the whole stadium area yes. and all the restaurants around there. So yeah, there's definitely plenty to try out there. Well, final question, if you could have coffee with anyone, who would that be and what would you ask? Wow. If I had the opportunity to have coffee with anyone, it's interesting because I would probably go back to my family roots and I'd probably go back to my grandfather. And I never met my grandfather. My father's dad, he passed away before I was born. And just really to hear the family story. There's just something that's amazing. I, I obviously was able to experience it by going home, going back to Jordan, where my family's from, you know, the home the homes that they grew up in and being able to hear a lot of stories from my father. But there's just something about hearing from your grandparents, the stories of how your family was formed. And he had 10 kids and just being able to hear those stories and how my father left when he left the family and had a great job and decided to leave and come to America and what that all meant. So that would be one that if I ever had the opportunity and got in the DeLorean and went back in time, that'd be one person that I would love to spend time with. Something that just occurred to me, I know your daughter's young now, but just as you were talking about the importance of story and kind of handing things down in terms of history through the generations, how cool if one day your daughter listens to this podcast and learns more about her dad and his journey and all of the things that he's learned as a leader. So Jamal, thank you so much for sharing part of your journey and learnings with us today. It's been such a pleasure to have you on our Learnings with Leaders podcast. Thank you so much. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For show notes about this episode, links to things mentioned, or requests for sponsorship, visit pgalums.com slash podcast or email pgalumpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Learnings from Leaders is a production of the PNG Alumni Network, a global nonprofit founded by former PNGers committed to community, enrichment, and philanthropy. With more than 45,000 registered members worldwide, the network connects alums through global conferences, local chapters, industry events, and online content. Our nonprofit foundation supports economic empowerment in communities around the world. To find out more, visit pgalums.com.
Now here's a preview of next week's episode. Well, consumer's boss, we took it to another level of keeping the consumer in the room so that we would make sure that we weren't spending time on things that really didn't matter to her. We always ask ourselves, if she was sitting here, what would she think about what we're worrying about or spending money on? Would she find it valuable? And that was just a great way to really cut through a lot of things. It really forced us to not spend time on things that didn't matter to her. That's it for this week. I've been Ida Abdelkani. And I'm still Raman Segel. Thanks for joining Learnings from Leaders, the PNG Alumni Podcast. We'll see you next time.